0: so you can get the clarity you want, have the alignment you need, and embody the steps to grow your business your way. So take a deep breath, settle in with intention, and let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the quarterly Q&A episode. I'm so excited for this one because I feel like when I'm answering questions, I get much more to the heart of content than when I'm just planning something to say on a specific topic. Being able to respond changes everything about the energy of my responses. And in today's episode, I'm sharing with you my responses to 13 questions that I've been asked about platforms, all sorts of topics, all sorts of platforms. These questions come from my own market research for the practical platforms issue of facet. So the real questions that real people have asked they are not questions that I've wrote myself to be able to answer you here. They are my honest audio answers to actual questions. Let's get started. Number one, how can I ask my people where they hang out without being creepy? Good question. Uh, Make it one of a few questions rather than just asking this one completely out of the blue, I'd recommend giving it a little bit of context. Why don't you put it with a small series of questions? Maybe three questions or four questions would be a good number. You can ask a few other market research questions at this time and just slip a question in there about platforms. Also, I'm not sure I agree with the question asker that this question is inherently awkward. I mean, maybe if you ask it in a creepy voice, but you wouldn't do that. I think this is one of those marketing coach buzz phrases that you've heard so many times that you feel it sounds creepy. But if you honestly asked your makeup artistry clients or your play therapy clients or your book editing clients which platforms they use, it wouldn't actually be that odd of a question. Social media is such a huge part of most people's day that asking people which one it is that they're spending hours a day on doesn't feel that weird to me. I just answered this question in a recent podcast episode in episode 80, which social media platforms are your ideal clients hanging out on. So definitely have a listen to that one. If you want to know more, I personally have gotten in the habit of asking my clients often for their feedback, for their opinions and often market research questions. The more I do it, the less strange it feels. My audience is also really used to it at this point, and they don't find it odd to hear from me with a few questions. I let clients know at the start of our working relationship that they'll be prompted for a testimonial, and so setting expectations like that helps as well, in my opinion. My true answer is, how can you ask your people where they hang out? Just ask them where they hang out. It's cool. Number two, with TikTok fans, is it worth getting into that platform? I think... Why not? But only if you actually love creating short-term video content. I'd say if you're worried about losing your content or you're worried about the entire app getting banned where you live, but you're still intrigued with creating content there, go for it. Just make sure to save your videos and download them to your device and maybe even screenshot any important comments that come in. And then of course prioritize following your followers back on other potentially more stable platforms. Cross following is a good habit to get into anyways, so that you can import your audience from one place to another. I think that this will relieve your anxiety somewhat over TikTok disappearing overnight. I would say don't make it your only platform, at the very least repurpose those videos to YouTube shorts and Instagram reels so that you're simultaneously building an audience in a few places in case something goes wrong with TikTok. Question three, what are some simple ways to maximize efficiency? This felt like an important question, so I answered it in a dedicated article inside this issue of facet. I give, I think, 11 tips for how to maximize efficiency in there. It's a must read. One tip I'll pull out from that to share with you here is to lean into your strengths. Identify which content is fastest for you to create and most fun, and then create more of that. To use myself as an example, I rely fairly heavily on text content and audio content. With three teenage stepkids in the house half the time and lots of ongoing renovations work and a partner who also works from home. Video content is difficult for me to plan out and finding even one corner of the house that has the aesthetics that I want and isn't being used by one of my family members at any time can be tough, but I can basically write from anywhere and I often do using the notes app on my phone. With Threads as a new platform, I'm finding that a good place to share some of my more unfinished thoughts that used to wind up in my notes, but I didn't have the time to elaborate on. And I use the weeks when we don't have custody of the kids to do all of my podcast recording in batches. Sometimes I even plan my recordings around when Jeff goes to spin class so that I can really have the house totally quiet to record for you. So that's me leaning into what works with my lifestyle. I make it easier for myself and as a result, I'm more efficient with my time. And I recommend that you do the same. Figure out what kind of content works for you and then start putting out as much of that as you can on an aligned platform. The next question makes me smile. I don't edit these questions as they come in, or they come right from the market research that I do at the beginning of planning a new issue topic. This question simply says, am I doing it right? I think that what it's in reference to is the feeling of wondering if you're doing a particular platform right. Like, am I doing Pinterest right? Am I doing LinkedIn right? Whoever asked this, I'm sending you a hug. I can tell that you care about this and I love that for you. I've also felt this feeling before, so I can empathize with you. I understand how you feel and I I get why you're asking. There's a lot of pressure coming from other people like followers and lurkers and clients and then there's also a lot of self-imposed pressure to get things right. The problem is that Getting it right is a concept that's constantly shifting. Right is not a defined metric that we've all co-constructed and agreed upon. It's more of a flexible concept, and we're more likely to see ourselves on the outside of that than we are to see ourselves on the inside. Doing it right is an illusion, one that your brain is possibly creating or buying into to keep yourself safe. I think if you're doing it and you're trying and you're doing your best, you're doing it right. Could you be doing it better and could you be improving? Maybe. But so many people stop at thinking about something or thinking without doing anything. So if you've made it past that hurdle, I want you to celebrate yourself and reassure yourself. From there, do all you can and yes, you're doing it right. Question five, where are the followers at? (laughs) I wonder if the same person who wrote question four also wrote this one. I'm uh, sensing a pattern in tone here. Seriously though, this is a big preoccupation when you join a new platform and it still can be when you've been on one for a while. As much as people are going to tell you that followers are a vanity metric, which by the way, just means that, you're vain to be paying attention to it and it doesn't really matter. That's an oversimplification. And maybe you can hear in my tone that I think that the implications of that term is just a little bit judgy. It's normal to feel that your growth is slow, especially when you're starting out on a new platform. You're looking at other people's finish line or at least their third lap. You're wondering why you are not there right beside them when the reality is that you've started a lot later. And there's so many factors. I'm not going to tell you not to care about followers. That would be disingenuous. and Unrealistic. I think followers are actually a decent metric for gauging your reach and for figuring out your overall success on a platform because how could they not be? Your goal is to talk to people. Obviously, the number of people you're talking to does mean something, but it doesn't mean everything. I would advise that you focus on how many conversions you have from your content and how many conversations. So is your early, mid and late stage content actually getting people to move through your world and become paying clients or purchasing your offers or products? Secondly, how do you feel about the content you're putting out and the conversations that it's creating? Asking yourself those questions will give you more valuable insights than strictly paying attention to how many followers you have. Question six. If my people are on Facebook, do I need to be there too? I dislike Facebook a lot. Same. Uh, Yes and no. Here is a quick little flowchart for you to decide. A. Is Facebook the only place your people are? If so, then maybe you do need to be there. If they're also spending equal time on other platforms, though, go there instead if you prefer spending time in those places. B does it have to be you who is on there or can you have an intern or an employee, a VA, a volunteer help you out with that? Or can you publish in another spot and then have somebody simply repost over to Facebook for you? That way you get to spend minimal time there, but still get the benefits of being exposed to your ideal client, which is a great lead into question seven. How soon can I repurpose content on a different platform or the same platform? For a different platform, I like to give one day in between. For example, a new episode of this podcast goes out on Mondays. I, in theory, post to social media about it on Tuesdays and my email list gets an email about it on Wednesdays. Now, if I were really on top of my game, a blog post version would go out on Thursdays and a Pinterest idea pin would go out on Fridays. I'll admit my answer is based totally on personal preference. I'm not claiming that it's based on any sound strategy. So I would say that you should do what works for your schedule. People who follow you in more than one place aren't going to get annoyed if they see you in more than one place. That's what they signed up for. As for the same platform, I think it depends how much of a copy the repurposing is like if it's exact with the same photo, the same audio, the same video, the same caption, I would wait a quarter before using it again. I'd wait three months, but if it's altered more than say 50%, I'd wait a month. And then if it's just a tiny aspect of the the original content, I think you're good to go after a couple weeks. Again, that's just my intuitive answer. It's my opinion. Please don't treat this as a definitive guide or how to. It's an example of how I would answer this question based on what I know about content cycles. Why don't you try asking your own intuition to see what feels right in terms of timing for repurposing, or you could just try my advice and then see how that feels to get some data there. This is not a rule that I'm making for you to follow because there are no actual rules when it comes to content, only the ones that we create for ourselves. Question eight, what platform will give me the best ROI for my time and energy? Read FACET and you will find your very own answer to this question because it's different for everyone. I believe that the very best ROI for your time and energy is the platform which has the highest number of your ideal clients matched with the platform in which you have the most natural affinity. Hopefully you can find a match between those two. Question nine, how can I test the platform to see if it's right for my biz? I don't think this is the answer you want, but testing is the same as trying. Experimenting is necessary for just about every brand on every new platform. Think of how everyone jumped on the clubhouse bandwagon and tried that out and how quickly it evolved over the first few months. Same thing with threads. At the beginning, everything is new and you need to test before, you know, if you were my client and you asked me this question on an action call, I would say that truly testing a platform would mean three months of consistent content that experiments with most of the features on a single platform, trying each one at least a few times. Then after that three months, look back at each type of content and see, okay, what got the most engagement? Which type got the most reach, the most new follows, which most importantly got the most new clients and sales, which call to actions worked the best as well would be good data to collect. This to me would truly be testing. The problem is that often we go into something new with not a whole lot of a game plan. And so we can potentially be half hearted in our attempts, which protects us in a way. And it gives us an out to say, well, that didn't work out. But if you're serious about testing a platform, I would encourage full on trying it to see about fit. There is a way to know what the odds of success are before you start though. And that is to figure out if your ideal client matches the demographic on that new platform. This information is inside facet for the nine major marketing platforms. Look through there and you will learn which ones are likelier to work for you. Next question, number 10, how consistent do I need to be on these platforms? This is an interesting question and my answer to this a few months ago would have been totally different. Previously I would have said consistent means choosing a schedule and essentially sticking to it. Like, okay, I'm going to do one Facebook live per week. I'm going to do one text post and one carousel post per week. But then I went to alt summit and unfortunately I can't remember whose talk this was from. So I can't give attribution for this tip. If you're listening and you know who taught this originally, please let me know so I can update the show notes. Apparently, from the platform's point of view, specifically the platform in this case was Meta or Instagram, consistent means something way more exact than I ever interpreted. For example, on Mondays at 10 AM I post a 10 post carousel or on Thursdays at 3 PM every week I go live for 30 minutes. So now I'm not so sure. I haven't personally tested both ways to see if my results change. You certainly could try the more relaxed approach and the more rigid approach and compare your metrics. Could be a fun experiment. Maybe if you're a three line on the other hand, One of the, one or the other might be significantly easier for your lifestyle, depending on how you have things set up. I can see both ways being technically easier for different personality types. I will say take all of this with a grain of salt. There's plenty of accounts who do succeed with no sort of consistency in posting times and types whatsoever. From my own experience with clients, I'd say consistency matters most when your account is smaller and when you're newer to a platform to get it to this baseline of engagement. It's also important though, that if you're communicating an expectation to your audience that you do follow through with that. For example, if you say you're emailing every Wednesday or you say there's a new YouTube vlog every Friday, you should honor that commitment as part of your consistency because dishonoring this is going to break trust with your audience. So if you've set an expectation that you can't keep up with and you need to make a change, inform your audience and continue redefining what consistent means for you in the context of your business right now. Question 11, how the heck do I do this? Well, I believe the context of this question when it was asked was in the sense of starting on a brand new to you platform, that feeling of what am I doing here? I want to normalize this feeling. If you are new to all platforms and you're just starting to market your business for the first time, you're at peak overwhelm right now. This is as overwhelming as it gets. And you can't expect yourself to go all in and know everything from the start. Instead, you want to learn gradually and just implement one new tip at a time. That's going to help you know what's working and what isn't working. You have to be patient. It's not going to happen right away until one day it is all happening and you're going to wonder how it is that you got there. And if you're new to a new platform and you're just starting out for your business on that platform, but you have experience marketing on others, you want to recognize that this one is not necessarily going to be the same. There's a learning curve with each new platform. You may be able to bring some of your learnings over of, you know, what your audience likes, what they don't like, but keep in mind that each platform is different and provides new opportunities. It may wind up being the opposite in this new place. Just something to keep in mind. The following question, number 12, how to go from content to a sale? The conversion bit is hard. Yeah, it totally is. Going from content to a sale is hard until you learn how conversion content works. And even still, because... Everything is always changing and you have to be constantly iterating and testing what it is that works for you. To be fair, it is only getting harder with the constancy of marketing on almost every platform. It feels like everyone is selling something. There's a lot of consumer fatigue. Consumers, for example, have gotten much more aware of marketing messages and much better at turning a blind eye, especially to call to actions. Back when words like buy now were new, Our brains acted on it much quicker than right now, today, when those words have lost a little bit of their luster. I'm not telling you this to discourage you. Rather, I'm telling you this to encourage you to market yourself your way. The less that you follow in everyone else's footsteps, the more unique your message is going to be, and the more you'll be able to stand out with your people. People like to buy from people whose marketing feels refreshing and new in some way, once there's a baseline of trust established, of course. Converting through content is absolutely still possible. People do it every day. It's just that... Clients have become savvier to marketing speak. To learn the conversion, there's an article inside this issue of Facet where I teach you the three stages of conversion content that are able to reach your buyers at all three steps of their buying journey. So I give you examples for each early stage, mid stage and end stage content. That's on page 48 and 49 if you have your issue handy. I know this is a simplistic explanation. Understanding the buyer's journey is going to help you create content that has a specific purpose, like maybe educating your buyer or inspiring them or connecting with them. And learning to rotate through different styles like that throughout your content is what's going to help you create content that leads directly to new client bookings and more sales. And lastly, we're wrapping up question number 13, how to make an impact and get reach without being too complicated or time sucking? Ooh. This is a multi-layered question. I'm going to go one at a time. For impact, only put out content that actually excites you on any platform. If you're bored, they're bored. The tenet be impeccable with your word comes to mind. Let's adapt that to content. Be impeccable with your content. If every single thing you put out knocks it out of the park, then you can trust that you'll have impact. This might mean putting out less, but that's a trade-off that I would advise you to make over and over. For reach, keep your mindset high, keep your expectations reasonable. You need to believe that you can get impact and reach in order for that to work. Your mindset needs to be structured and have that essential belief, which means feeling confident enough to post or publish and feeling confident enough to put your face and your words out there. As for having reasonable expectations, that means having an honest awareness and acknowledgement of where you're at in this moment. If you are at an average of 20 page views on your blog a month, and you're expecting 300 page views next month with similar content and similar posting schedule, that's not realistic. Nothing grows that fast anymore without considerable effort. So what I'm saying is you need to believe you could reach that 300, but not expect it to have it happen overnight. We've all taken in so many marketing messages that claim these huge results in a short amount of time, and to some extent, it's broken our brains. It's led us to have these unrealistic expectations to think that if that isn't happening for us, that there's something wrong with us, there's something wrong with what we're doing. It's not that it's impossible to jump to 300 pages overnight to go back to that example, but it is unrealistic unless you're working diligently at that, unless you are upgrading your site design and you're improving accessibility, you're putting up tons of posts, you're investing in keyword research, maybe you're paying for ads, maybe you're working with press outreach. Otherwise it's unrealistic to make that leap without all of that happening behind the scenes. Years ago, I was building my first business, which was online and in-person yoga classes. And back then I listened to the Strategy Hour podcast, which I do still recommend. They talked about how for the first few years of their business, they blogged three times a week. My brain couldn't compute how much work that was. It seemed very unattainable to me then, still now actually, I avoid blogging still to this day, but it's undeniable that that advice to post frequently and with quality, consistency is going to deliver results faster. So it's a bit of a matter of asking yourself what you want and comparing that with what you're able and willing to do to get there. If you have the energy and the time to put a lot into a platform, you're going to see your results increase faster. It just makes sense, right? Even if you don't have a lot of energy or time, I encourage you to still do the maximum that you're able. That works too. It's just not as quick as maybe you would like, but it's always better than doing nothing and simply thinking about doing something. That's the best advice. This is advice I should take myself. Good thing someone asked this question. (laughs) As to the complicated or the time-sucking aspect of the question, I think a bit of introspection is needed here because one person's version of complicated is not the same as somebody else's. Knowing what kind of complicated you want to avoid is your first step. What feels complicated to you? Knowing what is too much time is your second step. And then choosing a strategy that fits into both of those guidelines, that's step three. If this sounds daunting, if you want help with it, I spend a lot of time walking clients through decisions like this every day on action calls and action call subscriptions. And also every month in the group calls for the FACET subscription. I do that on every issue as well. So if you're wanting a guided decision maker that gets you the results that you're wanting, look to a print copy of FACET or my one-on-one action calls for the support that you're wanting. I'm very happy to help you answer these questions for you, help give you a leg up. Also happy to be 100% honest in terms of what you can expect based on the time that you have and the strategy that you're thinking of in terms of what kind of ROI you might get on a specific platform. I wish I had a formula to share for you, but these are usually individual answers, which I am happy to answer one-on-one if this has piqued your interest. There's links in the show notes if you think we're a good fit to work together. Both Action Calls and the Fasted Subscription are an affordable way for you to get these decisions off your plate and to help you get the clarity and momentum that you need to move forward. Thanks for listening to this Q&A episode. I hope you enjoyed it. As much as I love to answer,